Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath you know that moment when you're supposed to be on radio but you really need to send a text message and you're like can i do two things at the same time well the answer to that question is no because i'm trying to do both at once and it's not working um hang on this is this is muy importante Okay, done. Did you know that something very special is happening on Sunday? And you're like, well, yeah, we know. You invite us to church every week, 9-30-11-15, West Lake Me Boulevard is your address. Stream online, experiencelibrary.com. You tell us every day. We know it's special. We'll be there for church. You don't have to tell us again. You're right. It is those things, and you were right with the time and the address and everything. Impressive. But what is special, extra special this Sunday, is that this Sunday, we are celebrating our dads, our fathers. And so for today's program, rather than dive into the intricacies of what's happening in the world of the politics, we're going to talk about dads. We're going to talk about how awesome our fathers are. Today's program is a Father's Day special. Did you know that the word father is found more than 1,100 times in the Bible? The U.S. Census Bureau, however, says that one out of three children live in a home where the biological father is absent. Dads shape and mold our lives in more ways than I think we even realize. And their absence from the lives of their children, their absence from homes, has not only a bearing on their children and their families, but also on our society. Has been proven over and over and over and over again. That kids do better, both in childhood and in adulthood and in life, when dad is present, when dad is active, when dad takes a role in a child's life. Children living with fathers in the home tend to fare better on cognitive achievement and behavioral outcomes. The Gospel Coalition put together a list of different things. We're just going to go through them for a few minutes here. Adolescents living in intact, intact families tend to report closer relationships with their fathers. Among urban fathers, those who frequently attend church services tend to be more engaged with their children. Close relationships between adolescents, adolescents, <laughs> adolescents and their fathers are positively associated with adolescents' psychological well-being. Dads, it's good for your kids. It's good for our culture 
when you are involved. Adolescents with more involved fathers tend to exhibit lower levels of behavioral problems. That's because they need, especially the boys, they need another rooster in that house to, t to put them in their place. Adolescents who report having more positive relationships with their fathers are less likely to engage in delinquency. Dads, you're crucial. Adolescents who report having more positive relationships with their fathers are less likely to abuse substances. Individuals whose fathers showed more involvement in their lives early on tend to attain higher levels of education. Growing up without a father appears to be associated with greater likelihood of incarceration later in life. You know, we're, we're talking about things... <laughs> this is just such an interesting list to me. Delinquency, substance abuse, education, incarceration. The theme that I have seen as I was preparing for today's show is over and over and over again, if you look at different studies, many of the problems that that we say that we have in our culture, in our society, problems that are brought forth by both uh, Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives. You know, we need we need kids to have better education. We need kids uh, to we need we need uh, to to uh, to do um, we need to talk about opioids. We need to talk about substance abuse. Uh, we need to talk about uh, the, the, the reforming our, our prison system. We need to talk about delinquency. Like, all these different things can all trace back to one issue. It's having a dad present in your life. So we can talk about how to how to get more kids educated. We can talk about uh, how to get kids out of, out of delinquency. We can talk about how to keep kids away from substances. We can talk about how to reform our prison system. But in reality, if we reform the families, and dads, it starts with you. If we reform fatherhood in this country, many, if not most, of these problems that we see in our society would drift away. Because studies show it. We'll keep going. Father's religiosity is linked to higher quality of parent-child relationships. Dads, the closer you are to God, the better off your relationships with your kids will be. Father's engagement in their children's activities was linked to higher academic performance. Among adolescent girls, those who have a strong relationship with their fathers are less likely to report experiencing depression. You think your teenage girl is crazy? Well, she is. Spend more time with her. <laughs> Close father-adolescent bonds protect against the negative influence of peer drug use. Adolescent girls who have a close relationship with their fathers are more likely to delay sexual activity. Adolescent girls whose fathers were present during their childhood are less likely to become pregnant. Adolescent males, and by the way, uh, fewer adolescent girls becoming pregnant uh uh, means fewer abortions. It's just a, the, the statistics work together. So again, so many things that we discuss and that we see as issues in our culture can be traced back to just having dad active and present. Adolescent males who report a close relationship with their father are more likely to anticipate having a stable marriage in the future. Men who become fathers outside of marriage are more likely to be poor. 
Fathers of intact families spend on average more time with their children. Children raised in intact families by happily married parents tend to be more religious in adulthood. Children raised in intact families are more likely to have stable and healthy romantic relationships as adults. Intact families are more likely to provide a safe home for children. Adolescent girls who have never lived apart from their parents are less likely to report sexual abuse than those who have. Girls who experienced a parental separation during childhood are more likely to engage in early sexual activity. Among teenage boys, those from intact families with frequent religious attendance average the fewest sexual partners. Children in father-absent homes are almost four times more likely to be poor. Dads matter. Dads matter a lot. And did you know that your father's love matters more than your mom's? Now moms, we love you. We love you. No one is like you. You are incredible. But this is our Father's Day program, so we're just talking about dads. And of course, uh, love from both parents is crucial. But there's a study. Uh, who did this study? Um, let me see if I can find it. The Society for Personality and Social Psychology did a study that says that dads love may matter more. A child's well-being and happiness hinges heavily on whether or not their dad lavishes them with affection. Not so much mom, and that could be just because we kind of expect it from mom. But kids often look up to their dads, and researchers say that it could be that a father's attention carries more weight because of that hero mentality. Dad is hero, and when hero showers their child with love and affection, that has a positive ripple effect on that child's self-esteem and confidence. Did you know that dads make their babies smarter? Kids who are highly involved with their dads end up with higher IQs and more A's on their report card on average than dads who hold their child care duties at arm's length. Yes, changing your kids' diapers could help make them smarter. <laughs> dads who pitch in around the house, dads who help mom with chores, dads who serve their families are more likely to have daughters with loftier ambitions than those who do not. And when it comes to daughters, daughters with close relationships to their dads are less likely to become depressed, as we already mentioned, or to develop eating disorders. This is from cafemom.com, by the way. This gal put together a bunch of really cool facts on dads, all related back to scientific studies. This one, not surprising if you grow up with any firearms in the house, but dads help their daughters to date better. Daughters who are close with their dads are not only more confident about their looks and their career prospects and less likely uh, to, to have... Um, to have disorders when it comes to eating they also have better relationships because they have already learned how to relate 
to the most important man in their life. And they look for qualities of their father in future dates. Dads who are involved with their kids' lives, who are in, uh, in relationship with their kids' moms, a.k.a. they're married and living in the same house, fathers make more money, a lot more money. Dads who are actively involved with their children make 40% more on average than dads who are not or men who are not fathers. It's pretty amazing. And the effects of just having a dad involved in a child's life, both in a short-term perspective and a long-term perspective, an incredible difference for that child and for our culture as a whole. And what I think is that is amazing is that over and over and over again in Scripture, God calls us his sons, his daughters, if you will, as well, but God allows us to be his children. God says he is our father. And I think it's interesting, the correlation, that, that here on earth, kids who are in a, that the, that the, the, the closer a child is to their father, the more potential there is for success for them in pretty much every aspect of life. And think about that in relationship to our Heavenly Father. God has allowed us to be in this relationship with Him, and I, I'd say it, it pretty well parallels. And that the closer we are in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, the greater our success in life as well. Behold, the Apostle John said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Wow. What manner of love is this? That God would make us his sons and his daughters, that he would open that to us. And that we can have that relationship with him. An amazing, amazing thing. The best father to celebrate on Father's Day, right? Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, I have a story that I'm going to tell you as we continue this, our Father's Day special. Don't go away. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. All right, our Father's Day special continues with this bit of information from Fox. Lawmakers have introduced a bill to make adoption more affordable for families. So three lawmakers have reintroduced a bipartisan bill uh, that would restore the refundable portion of the current adoption uh, tax credit. Senator Roy Blunt from Missouri announced in a reply 
a press release on Monday earlier this week. He said over 100,000 children are waiting for adoption into a family who can give them the loving home they deserve. I urge my colleagues to join me in this effort to make adoption a more viable option for parents who are eager to welcome a child into their home. He was uh, helped with by Senators Bob Casey and James Inhoff. Inhoff. Yeah. To draft the legislation, which is titled the Adoption Tax Credit Refundability Act of 2019. About one third. uh, Well, let's see. Yeah, about one-third of all adopted children live with families whose annual household incomes are at or below 200% of the poverty level, uh, and many of these families' income taxes are so low that they cannot benefit from the adoption tax credit at all unless it's uh, refundable. So what does that mean? Okay, so 200% of the poverty level for a family of four is $51,000 a year. You're not even paying taxes, most likely, at that point. Child credits and write-offs would offset your tax burden uh, almost completely, if not entirely, uh, meaning you couldn't get a tax credit for adoption because you you would, you even if you got that tax credit, it wouldn't... Like, if you're not paying taxes, you can't get a tax credit. Does that make sense? You're, you're not seeing any of the benefit uh, financially from that. This legislation would effectively allow families a tax refund even if they didn't actually overpay uh, in taxes. So that's that's really cool. And the other thing I found really cool with this article was that uh, you don't have to have a, uh, or with this <coughs> piece of legislation and some of the studies they invoked in bringing forward uh, this bill is that you don't have to have a big bank account to have a big heart, right? Like 200% of the poverty level, most families that are adopting, the one third, sorry, one third, so that wouldn't be most, but one third of families who are adopting live at 200% of the poverty level. That means that you're not making much money to take care of your family on. But you know what else it showed me? I, I started along several bunny trails as I was researching uh, for this program. And uh, a suspicion that I've long held, I felt merited further research. And I was able to confirm that Christians are more than twice as likely to adopt as non-Christians. So a Barna Group survey was done that found that 5% of practicing U.S. Christians uh, have adopted children in comparison with 2% of all U.S. adults. When asked if they had seriously considered adopting, 38% of practicing Christians said yes to just 26% of adults nationwide. Barna also found that 3% of practicing U.S. Christians are foster parents and 31% have seriously considered fostering a child. By comparison, 2% of all U.S. adults are foster parents while 11% seriously considered fostering a child. Regarding family dynamics, Barna found that the majority of adopted parents are non-Hispanic white adults. 73% of adoptive parents are uh, non-Hispanic white adults, yet non-Hispanic white adopted children are actually the minority, 37%. Uh, The Heritage Foundation had a forum that took this even further. Uh, They talked about how faith, foster care, and adoption all go together. And they found that faith motivates extraordinary generosity. 
So regular church attenders donate to charity more than three times the percentage of their income compared to those who don't attend church. This willingness to give has been particularly notable in the field of care for vulnerable children. Since 2010, charitable giving by Americans to all causes has risen by just under 30%. But during that same time frame, giving to Christian adoption ministries has risen by 81% and to orphan care ministries by 90%. But that's, this, this generosity extends beyond money. Research shows that faith-motivated individuals also share their time as volunteers, their blood as donors, and much more at significantly increased rates as well. Cato did a report on this uh, finding from Heritage and said that faith also motivates uh, sacrificial service. We already mentioned that Barna had found that practicing Christians are more than twice as likely to adopt as the general population— But Christians are also more likely to adopt older children, children with special needs, and other children who are considered hard to place. Pew Research found that 65% of non-kin foster parents attend religious services weekly compared to 39% for the general population. In Arkansas, more than 40% of foster homes are recruited by a single faith-based group called the Call of Arkansas. Barna also found that more than 40% of churches nationwide provide support groups for adoptive and foster families. A similar percentage of churches provide meals and other tangible support to foster families. I don't share this with you to say that uh, that faith-based organizations and communities have all the answers or that Christians are the only ones adopting or fostering. We're not. But it is interesting, isn't it? To see our brothers and sisters in Christ living out what we believe. Now, I, I see so many things online, especially with the, as the abortion... Uh, narrative rages and the debates continue and people say well so what have you ever done for an unwanted child you don't know well actually Christians do more than anyone else in America for children in foster and adoption uh, situations and then, so, so you, you get that argument from those who would be supportive of the abortion thing, and then you have others on the other side that are like Christians, uh, or, or even Christians. I see Christians say, well, if more Christians would get involved, you know, no Christians are involved. And if Christians would get involved, we could solve this problem. Well, Christians are involved. Christians are more involved by far than anyone else in this country. And not only fostering and adopting but also in providing support for the families who have chosen to foster and adopt. According to the Gospel Coalition, in a country where 437,000 kids are in foster care, the improvement Christian bridge organizations have made can look small. But that's the wrong way to look at it. A guy named Weber, who works with a foster program in Dallas, said, In my county, we have more than 60 kids available for adoption. I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we have many times that many megachurches. 
We're not talking about a giant insurmountable problem. We're talking about something that can be solved. His goal is to get 10% of the churches in every county in the country involved in foster care or adoption by 2025. And he said if we can get to that number, we'd have more than enough families. Every foster child that came into the system would not just have a home, but waiting families from which to choose. To get there will take a movement of God through his church, and I believe we already see it happening. In fact, Weber said the movement is snowballing. It feels very much like sitting in the stands at this amazing time and watching God do cool things. 60 kids in the Dallas-Fort Worth area waiting, available for adoption. Over 100 megachurches, not even small churches. This isn't counting the small churches. It's just, just megachurches in Dallas-Fort Worth. Over 100. Just one family from one out of every two-plus churches in Dallas and every child available to be adopted in that city would have a home. Think about that. It's powerful stuff. Just one family per megachurch. I love adoption. And since this is our Father's Day special, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my father. The greatest man alive, really. And my dad was adopted. My grandfather, his, uh, his father, his, the one who adopted him, uh, was the music pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, he and my grandmother didn't have a lot of money. Most pastors' families don't, in case you were wondering. Uh, they also couldn't have any children of their own. And so they chose to adopt. They adopted three girls and one boy, my dad. My dad uh, would meet his birth parents when he was in his 50s. It's, a, it's an incredible story, and I wish that he would write it all down because I don't remember all the ins and outs of it. But today, as we approach Father's Day and as we discuss adoption, the truly loving option, uh, I thought I would share some of his story uh, with you. So my father um, was conceived in what today might be referred to as an accident. Right? His mom and dad uh, barely knew each other. There was a party, and then there was my dad. Which, you know, and at that time, praise God, abortion was not a viable or popular option, or I doubt very much uh, that I would be here today, or that abortion would not have been the option chosen. And that's not to say anything about uh, my dad's birth parents. It's just culturally, it was a different time. My dad's birth mom was from a very well-to-do, highly respected family uh, in her community. His birth father was a son of German immigrants in a post-World War II world with a thick German accent. Hardly what one might call a match made in heaven. But if you've got a baby coming, there had better have been a wedding, and so... There was. The two married, and following the wedding, the couple, my dad's birth parents, settled into a very small apartment. My grandfather worked to support the family, which was grandma and my unborn, uh, their unborn child, my dad. Uh, grandma stayed home. Baby coming soon. One evening after work, my dad's birth father returned home to find their apartment empty. Sure, the furniture they had remained, but my dad's birth mom and his unborn child, the unborn child, my dad, they were gone. 
I'm just going to say grandmother and grandfather for this part because it's easier. Um, so my grandfather, he searched for them, his, what was then his wife, an unborn child, for months. And the months turned into years. And the years turned into decades. But he never found them. Turns out that uh, my grandmother, her parents had come while my grandfather was at work and taken her away. All her stuff, packed her up, moved her out. And once her baby was born, my dad, he was put up for adoption and his records were sealed. They didn't want anybody to know. They didn't want any interaction. And so my dad was at uh, an orphanage. And my dad's mom, his adopted mom, when, the, when, he, when she and my grandfather came to adopt my dad, they were waiting in the office as they went to get, uh, get the baby. And uh, my grandmother, my dad's adopted mom, peeked in the baby's file at the orphanage uh, where my dad was adopted. She didn't get a very long look. And when I say peeked in the baby's file, it's not as bad as it sounds, okay? Like the aid worker had left, uh, I don't remember if it was, well, you know, it's to hear grandma tell the story. But either part of the file was left open or part of a paper was sticking out of the file and she read everything she could off of that, uh, off of that paper or off of that file. And all she really got out of it was a last name. She knew my dad's last name that was on his birth certificate. But it didn't matter, right? The last name didn't matter. The story behind how he came to be didn't matter. My grandparents chose my dad and raised my father as their own son. And I am eternally grateful for the godly heritage that I and my siblings, my nephews have because of their act of selfless love. Because of their choice to choose not one but four babies that were at that time unwanted. You know, and all while we were growing up, my dad said he, he knew who his parents were. It was my grandparents. It was the ones that had adopted him. They were, they are his parents. And finding his, his birth parents wasn't a door he needed to try to open. And I don't know what changed. I don't remember what it was that started my dad uh, on his quest to find his birth parents. But I remember that at some point uh, he had known, my grandparents had told him what his last name had been, uh, what his last name was on his birth certificate, what his last name was when he was born. Super German name. So, so incredibly German. Uh, but I'm not going to share it with you because it's not... We're, we are Heaths. My grandparents adopted my dad and they gave us the, the godly heritage that we have today. And we are, we are Heaths. But he knew what the last name, what his last name would have been if he hadn't been adopted. And thanks to the internet and modern technology, he was actually able to find a death record for a family in the town where he'd been born that had the same last name. From there, a little white page searching led him to a man who fit the age range of what my dad believed his birth father uh, would be. And the guy's phone number was publicly available. So after a lot of prayer and with a lot of nervousness, my dad called him. 
He explained the little bit that he knew of his story, which at that time was really only where he was born, what his last name was, and that he had been adopted, and where he had been adopted from. And he asked this man if, if he might know any of his birth relatives. Explained that he had seen the death notice in the newspaper, noticed that it was from the same town uh, where he had been from, and that the last name was the same. As it turned out, the man he was talking to was his uncle. And for his entire life, my dad's uncle explained, his brother, my dad's birth father, had never stopped looking for his long-lost child. But he'd never been able to find the woman who he had briefly been married to. He'd never even known if he'd had a son or a daughter or if the child was born alive and healthy. But he'd carried a terrible guilt with him and always wondered if he had survived or she had survived, what he or she had grown up to be and and if that child had had any children of his own because he'd always wanted grandchildren and his two children from his second marriage didn't have families at that point. My dad asked his uncle if he would be willing to reach out to his brother and if he thought that he would want to meet him. (laughs) Of course he did. He'd been looking his entire life. And so my dad was able to connect with his birth father that same day. And share with him that he'd hit the grandchild jackpot with seven. (laughs) All in one blow. And the joy of that reunion and the closure when eventually my dad would then go on to find his birth mom as well uh, is, is something that is difficult to even put into words. You know, he was able to thank her for choosing life for him and for giving him up to the best parents possible for him. You know, I'm so grateful to my dad's birth mom for choosing life. Now, again, abortion wasn't a popular or even really a viable alternative at that time. It was a completely different world than what we live in today. But even still, she chose life. And she chose not only to give him life, but to give him an opportunity at the best life possible for him by allowing him to be adopted. And I'm so grateful that my grandparents chose my dad as their son. You know, life is precious. Even if it doesn't come at the most convenient of times or in the most perfect of ways, And there are many, many families waiting to adopt and hundreds of thousands of children in this country and around the world waiting to be loved. And I could go on for literally hours and tell you about how uh, we were able to be reunited with my dad's birth parents and how we uh, were able to visit them in their homes and how they went on vacations with us and, and how we got to know them and how my dad looks almost... Well, he doesn't look exactly like his birth dad, but the way they carried themselves and their sense of humor and so many things that came together uh, when we were able to meet his birth parents. But, you know, though, though they gave life to my dad, it was my grandparents who adopted my dad 
who are the the real heroes in the story for me. Right? I mean they're 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 both heroes, like choosing to give my dad life, but then choosing to adopt. My grandparents chose my dad and instilled in him a love for God, a passion for his people. And he's just, he's an amazing man and an incredible father. And I couldn't be more grateful for him. You know, my dad taught my siblings and I what a real man, a godly man looks like. He continually, constantly, repetitively lays down his life for my mom and for his children. He taught us the Bible in our home. And at church, he created a family Sunday school class so that we could all participate together. He led us in family scripture memory with hand motions. To this day, my, all my siblings could probably quote Psalm 127 with motions. And most of 1 John with motions. He taught us what it means to love. To not keep records of wrong. To treat others as we want to be treated and to forgive quickly. My dad has modeled Jesus for us every day of our lives. He isn't perfect, and he'd be the first one to tell you so, but he sure is perfect for us. He taught us to work hard. <laughs> oh, the to-do lists. You know, some kids look forward to Saturdays, but we dreaded the list. Dad's to-do list. We're going to pick corn for an hour, then we're going to weed the flower breads, muck the barns, harvest the strawberries, clean out the basement closet, and build a shed all by 10 a.m. Guys, we can do this. We can do it all. <laughs> we almost never got everything on Dad's list done, but he always rewarded our efforts. Movies, pizza, football games, Chinese food, uh, trips to Bush Gardens, you name it. And when it came time, this is a side note, when it came time to get my house ready for sale last week, my realtor gave us a list of things uh, to do for the house. And we had three days in which to do them, uh, I'd say roughly 30, 40 items. And John and I just kind of sat back and chuckled because her list seemed easy compared to Saturdays growing up with Dad. And, uh, and it paid off because she was amazed that we'd accomplished the entire list and more when it came time to show my house. And that's because of my dad. He taught us the value of of hard work. He taught us discipline. He taught us that character is who you are when nobody's looking, but that God is always looking. He instilled in us an entrepreneurial spirit. My dad could sell more things to more people than anybody I've ever met. He knows how to get good deals. He knows how to turn a garage sale into, like, a trip to Disneyland. It's amazing. He taught us gratefulness. He taught us loyalty. And as our childhoods have turned into adulthood, each of his seven children would call our dad our friend. And he truly is. Love you, Dad. Wish I could be there to celebrate you with you on Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. You are truly Mark, the perfect man. And if you're a dad, be like my dad. 
better still be like our Heavenly Father. Model Jesus for your children. If you're not a dad yet, model Jesus for those around you. Get ready. There are people watching. There are young eyes watching. There are old eyes watching. Dads make all the difference. They make all the difference in a child's life. They make all the difference in our culture because of their impact on their children's life, lives. Be involved with your families, dads. We, your children, your grandchildren, we need you. We love you. And we celebrate you. We are grateful for you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And that's it. That's all the time we have left for today. Hope you've enjoyed this Father's Day special. And we look forward to seeing you at church on Sunday for Father's Day as we celebrate. Join us 930 or 1115 Sunday morning at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard or 6 p.m. Sunday evening. If you can't be here in person, stream us online by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com.